Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. My name is Christiana Kimmick, your producer, and I am so excited to bring you a couple new episodes as we are wrapping up season two. What we're going to be doing is counting down a couple of our favorite episodes and some of the top performing episodes of the year. We are calling these episode shorts. And essentially what we are doing is pulling some audio clips, some of our favorites, either it was a part of a story or something inspirational that one of our guests had said, and we are turning it into an episode short. So if you haven't listened to an episode that we are featuring, or if you need to re-listen to one, this is a great way because it gives you a little snippet of what the guest was talking about or basically the topic, or something inspirational from there. And we really hope that you enjoy it. So stay tuned for the very first in a quick series of episode shorts that will be coming up to bring us through the end of season two. And then, of course, Ashley will be back in the booth, and she and I will be talking about all of the fun things that have happened for season two as we do our season two wrap-up and the last after the episode of the year. However, until then, enjoy your very first episode short with this guest being Andre Roberts from our very special episode that we featured in June of last year in honor of the Black Lives Matter movement. In this very special clip that we've selected, you'll hear Ashley ask Andre about a time that he went to rehab and discovered that he had been placed in rehab along with someone who was raised as a Nazi and with Nazi ideals. And Andre, in his amazing way that only Andre can, because we got to know Andre Roberts so very well after his episode, and he is, let me tell you, just as amazing as he sounds. Andre basically talks about the power of love and the power of connecting with people one-on-one, listening to people's stories, listening to where they came from, and how that can essentially change the world. And we let the clip go on a little bit longer because Andre then shares about some of his solutions for taking that even further outside. And he just shares some incredible wisdom that we just felt like it was important to be reminded about. So please enjoy Andre Roberts. You had a you had an experience with a Nazi that was uh, in, in that Dustin. related to your recovery. His name was Dustin. I was at Dustin. Acton, this rehab in Acton, California, on this old uh, old corn, tuberculosis quarantine base slash it used to be a base and it used to be a, a Japanese internment camp. Oh, that's where your rehab was? That's where the rehab was. A little small little barracks, six people in the barracks. I think it was a, there was a couple of Hispanic guys, uh, a couple other black guys, me, and then there's this white guy, Dustin. No, there's another white guy in there too. Can't remember his name. I only remember Dustin's name. I don't remember anybody else's name yeah, yeah. in that yeah. little shack. And every time I would come in, Dustin be out of there like so fast within half a second he was on his way out the door the only time he would show up was when we had to have the you know rehab bed count Um, (laughs) otherwise i would never see him or bedtime and he would like quickly shut off the light he wouldn't come in until the light was shut off and that was it you know we never communicate 
And so one day I was walking out the door. His bed was by the door. And he had this poster of this woman and she had all this black leather on. I was like, you know, I was like, Ooh, woman in black leather. Let me check this out. And I'm getting closer to it. And I squint my eyes, Ashley. And I noticed that she has a, a Nazi armband on. He had take cut this out of a map. It was a whole page of a magazine. This chick posing with this Nazi armband, the black, the red, the red band with the, the with the uh, white, the black swastika. And I said, Oh, and I, so I said to myself, oh, he's going to talk to me. Like, we're going to have a conversation it. now. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And so. You're not getting out of this. Right, because, like, there, I'm from Wisconsin. I've never seen a skinhead in my life. I did on, like, uh, Geraldo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> back in the day. I've never seen the one face-to-face, one face-to-face, like they're, like, some kind of an alien. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I was, like, and he had the shaved head. I was, like, oh, okay. So he came in. I said, you know, I, converse, I started a conversation. I said, Dustin, because uh, I knew his name. I was checking out the chick. I said, did you know she had a swastika on her arm? And he tightened up so, like, he seized up like an old engine. You could see every muscle in his body just wrench like, Ugh! because he probably didn't know how I was going to respond. Right. I would, I would, I would too. For the response. So I'm sure the typical response is probably two guys flailing around the ground throwing punches. And I pissed totally. myself because I saw him tense up because I was like, "Yeah, uh-oh, here we go. And I said, are you like that? I think those were my exact words, Ashley. Are you like that? And he went on to tell me how his grandfather indoctrinated him into Nazi culture. So he was bred to be a Nazi by his grandfather. And he actually sat down and broke it down to me. And what he meant, what it meant to him and how he saw it and how he wasn't really, he didn't really like not like me, one of the mud people. Cause you know, you know, you know cause they have all this stuff. Cause you know, you know cause oh I've done research before this and I just love yeah, yeah. knowing stuff. And so we start talking and every, anytime there was nobody in the barracks and it yeah, was yeah. Just he and I, he would talk to me. But if the door opened, he would he would cut it off and he would turn his back and he'd act. And I could be in the mid-sentence and he would, would not respond to me. He would not let other people see me talk to him. Wow. Fast forward. I got the hint. And so I would stop talking when people can't talk. Yeah. Because <laughs> right. I've experienced this on other levels, not as this thick and intense as this uh, confrontation that turned into just conversation, which turned into family day at the rehab where the family members come. I'm somewhere. He finds me in the compound at the rehab. He says, Andre, I go, what's up? He goes, my grandfather's here. My grandmother's here. My mother's here. My father's here. And it was either a cousin or a nephew or somebody else. I said, oh, and like my heart, I got butterflies because I was like, woo. The whole <laughs> like, tribe. Oh, the na- yeah, right. You know, the Nazi they, family's you know, here. They, they jackbooted on in here, and you know, how do they march in? And, you know, oh, like the Nazis, yes. uh, like the Reichstag <laughs> is here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, whoa! I was trying to picture how were they interacting yeah, yeah. with all these different cultures that were walking past them, putting their trays. You're waiting for Hitler himself yeah. to show up because the kids in the cafeteria, they're all in the cafeteria because they get the free meal and then they can walk around with the family members to and tour the huge sprawling facility, the grounds. And he goes all of a sudden. He goes, 
I want to introduce you to them. And that, my heart, I don't know, but, okay, my heart sank and really sank that time. And I said, okay. <laughs> I went into this zone. Like, it was very yeah, yeah, surreal. Yeah. Started yeah. walking out behind him. We walk in the cafeteria. I look to the right, and I know it's them, <laughs> right? So he's walking in front of me. Right. He apparently knows. They, they already know that he's already told them, I'm introducing you to my black friend, Andre. I walk in there, and he goes, this is Andre. Everybody's got their head down. Nobody looks up. Oh, my God. The gra- he doesn't look up. None of them. They, oh look, they look straight at the table. They have nothing oh to God. say. They don't respond. They don't look up. All they do is breathe. He yells out some rants. He curses a little bit. He starts walking away. I'm standing there. And I'm like, I better follow him because <laughs> this could really get ugly. <laughs> and uh, as we're walking out, we go out the door and make a left. His mother comes out. I hear the footsteps running fast. So I'm turning around. I'm like bracing myself. And You're ready what's, to go. What's happening? Yeah. Like, you know, and she runs over and I say, Dustin, and she, he turns around. Cause I don't, you know, it's female running and I don't please stop her. Cause I don't know what she's about to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And she says, excuse me. She said, can I shake your hand? And I said, sure. And she says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Twice. So we walk back and I'm calming him down. He's cursing his family out. And we're sitting down. We get past that day. He doesn't go back. They leave. Fast forward to Andre wants to get high in the rehab. I got to leave. But I'm in Acton, California. I'm trying to get to L.A. I've already made the phone calls, get money wired like us addicts do. It's sitting at Western Money's sitting at Western Union waiting for me. I just <laughs> gotta get to LA. Baby. Good old if Western LA, Union. Oh, right. You know that feeling. Right. Oh, I do. And there's a staff member that's driving to LA and I'm like, 50 bucks, because I'm leaving. So yep. you know. And he he agrees. This is a done deal. And so I go, you know, us alcoholics and drug addicts, we don't just you know pack our stuff and silently and quietly sneak out of rehab. No. We, we uh, loudly profess to everybody in earshot that we're leaving and we hate this place. I don't know how you can stay here. We make this big, huge, dramatic scene because secretly we want everybody to tie us down and make us stay. Because we already know that as soon as we walk out the door, the train it's is done. about to derail. As soon as we walk out the door, we already know. Because that's why we're oh, leaving. We, yep. Let's not kid ourselves. So I do my dra- drama. I do my dramatic uh, Oscar winning performance. Yes, for sure. Dustin walks in there. What's going on? Man, I do the whole thing all over again. I think I did better the second take. You know, <laughs> I have more bigger audience. I have one more in the audience. So I did it. I, it was more grand, right? <laughs> and uh, Dustin's like, what? Don't leave. And Dustin begged me to stay. Kept begging me. Tears start rolling down his face, begging me to stay. Don't leave. Please. You're my friend. He started sobbing like a baby on his bed. Andre, please, you're my friend. Don't leave. 
people can change one heart at a time, one soul at a time. Do you still talk to him? I left him, got high. But I imagine that that conversation that, and that, more importantly, that night changed something in him. I picture him successfully completely, he, could, he successfully completed rehab, read his family the riot, riot act multiple hundreds of times, distanced himself from those that wouldn't change their ilk, maybe still goes to family reunions and reads them the riot act again. Some of his family members, maybe he brought them on, maybe he changed some of their hearts. Yeah, that's how I see Dustin. I never saw him again. But that experience at that rehab, time I was there, the only person I ever think about when I think about my experience at that rehab is Dustin. I don't think of any other faces there. I only see Dustin. Because God put me there to talk to Dustin. I wasn't ready to get sober. I was ready to talk to Dustin. I'm always ready to talk to Dustin. Anytime I encounter Dustin, I'm always ready to talk. And I'm not swayed by their preconceived notions of how they think the world is or who they think they are. Because I know people can change, Ashley. And I know it just takes a hand. So I don't get wound up in the emotionality of this thing that's happening. Because I can't operate on a rational and logical level with you. If I'm too emotional about it, if I get my feelings wrapped up in it, I might offend you. And if I offend you, you cut it short. The end. I can't get through to you. So if I talk to you rationally with some sense, interject a little history, maybe a little humor, a little heartache and pain, and tell you how the other side can look. And maybe you might consider it, not in that moment, but the next day or the next day. We recover. See, that's recovery. He recovered a piece of himself that he didn't even know he had lost because he was raised that way. We talked about George Floyd earlier. I believe in God. God works in everything. I started thinking about that about a week and a half ago after George Floyd was murdered. I started thinking about it a week into the quarantine. Then I started thinking about it in relations to George Floyd and the quarantine. And this is my perspective, because I believe in God. God was like, okay, I need everybody's attention. (laughs) Anybody listen? No, nobody's listening. I need every, nobody's listening. I'm trying to say this and nobody, okay. Everybody sit the hell down. Not America. Not France, not London, not India. I want the entire world to sit the hell down right now. i got to show you something. All right? Everybody's chill? Good. Sit for a while longer. I need you a little anxious. I don't want you comfortable. I want you a little emotional. I don't want you irate. Everybody cool. You ready? George Floyd, you're my lamb. Be what lambs be, get sacrificed. His daughter stood on the, sat on the Jack, Stephen Jackson's shoulders, the dude, NBA player. He's holding her in her braids, two little braids. And she said, they show on CNN every once in a while. 
My daddy changed the world. This is not about black folks. This is not about police brutality. This is about humanity. This is tapped into humanity. This is tapped into every soul on the face of the earth. And God made sure that everybody could listen because he told everybody to sit the hell down. Be still because I want you to be able to have time to see what I'm trying to show you. I want you to be able to have time to process it. And then I want you to be able to have time to respond to it accordingly. So I can't look at it as something evil as I want to. Emotionally, I want to see it as something evil, despicable, vile, disgusting. But if I tie it all together, I say, my God is a show off. COVID-19, 2020, London, France, Japan, Australia, South Africa, Rome, Brazil, Argentina, Valenzuela, Italy, Germany. Look at us. Look at us. You and I right now, right here, right now, talking about this moment. Because it's that great. It's that big. This is not something that's going to cease. We already know that. It's taken on this form that we can't describe. The only thing we do know is we don't know what it's going to look on the, not I want to say at the end, we don't know how it's going to look in its totality because it's going to morph. And our job as human beings is to search out and find our lanes, no gas, all gas, no brakes. Find your lane, all gas, no brakes. Get in your lane and push, right? Whatever it is, it can be as simple as saying hi to somebody that does not look like you each and every day. It can be that simple. It can be as grand as creating a nonprofit that you assist in the training of people to be entrepreneurs. It can be going and buying some school supplies and dropping them off. It can be saying, hey, excuse me, sir. I want to take your class on a field trip uh, to a, a laboratory to learn about something, some, something science related or to a studio for your art students so they understand the inner workings and behind the camera and how what it takes to do a podcast or what it takes to do a movie or what it takes to do a commercial. I want to take you to, uh, to be a, a spectator to show you a doctor giving surgery. Maybe a child goes, oh, my goodness, I would like to do that. Oh, I want to help. I want to help animals get better. I love horses. I want to I want to be a veterinarian. This moves me to my core. Economic empowerment is the main thing that is going to change things. What I mean by economic empowerment is not divvying out dollars to anybody that's got their hands out. What I mean is finding people that have ideas to create wealth, to create jobs, not to create jobs, because there's people out here, me included, that have ideas on how to create jobs for people in their neighborhoods. 
We need to tap into those people and to give them resources so that they can empower people, right? Because the reality is, is that people have been disenfranchised. See, when there's a bunch of home renters and apartment renters in an area that don't have as many property taxes as a suburb that has all these single family homes, where you have professional men and women living or they they have a band and they have dance class and they have computers in every school and every room and every child has a computer. They already started the race, right? These other kids are still at the starting line, right? Now they have two parent households helping them with their homework because they don't have to worry about, well, there's always a parent home because they don't have to be that single parent that's, working one or two jobs, maybe three. Okay, run 200 more yards. They're still at the starting line. Lower aces. Lower, lower aces. Lower. Traumatic things happening to you. Seeing tra- trauma, hearing about the trauma. What is going to be the catalyst of for this is economic empowerment. Wow. Powerful stuff and some intense wisdom that Andre was able to share with us. Uh, We hope you enjoyed our very first episode short. Please stay tuned for another one coming out this Thursday and another couple of episode shorts coming out next Tuesday and Thursday. Um, And then Ashley will be back in the booth for, as I mentioned, our season two wrap up and the last after the episode of the year. If you had a favorite episode and you'd like us to feature it on the episode short, or you'd like us to read your review on the episode or any insight that you have, please feel free to contact us at podcast at lionrock.life. We love to hear from you. Until then, see you next time. This podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life. Lionrock.life is a recovery community offering free online support group meetings, useful recovery information, and entertainment. Visit www.lionrock.life to view the meeting schedule and find additional resources. Find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life.